everything in the book. Hi there. I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. Yet we know that if we want to continue to celebrate our lives as we age, we have to be mindful of how we feed our bodies. And that's why I am so excited to welcome our guest today, Dr. Michael Roizen and Dr. Michael Krupain. I'm already a major fan of both of these physicians and health experts because I was lucky enough to get to interview them for their groundbreaking book together, What to Eat When. But now they've taken that research one delicious step further and created a cookbook filled with tasty, tempting recipes that will both fuel your body and make your taste buds very happy. It's called the What to Eat When Cookbook, and I can't wait to get started. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Good to hear, Eileen. Thank you. Well, as I mentioned, I'm uh, obviously a huge fan of your work. I think you're, uh, again, I want to get to these delicious recipes shortly, but I thought I'd like to begin with a few of the principles behind your other book, and you do go over them briefly at the beginning of this book, but either of you take these questions, but uh, tell us a little bit about the win way. Yeah, so eating the when way is all about eating in sync with your circadian rhythm. And your circadian rhythm is your body's clock. And we all know about our circadian rhythm when we get jet lagged. It means our clock is out of whack because our clock is actually set by the sun. So when we go to another time zone and the sun's rising at a different time, we, we get confused. Our body gets confused we're tired and exhausted. But it turns out our circadian rhythm is actually important for lots of things throughout our body. And our metabolism is connected to our circadian rhythm, and it actually changes throughout the day. And so our metabolism sets our body up to be most efficient. And the way it wants us to eat is to eat more early and to eat less later. So to make breakfast and lunch our biggest meals of the day and dinner the smallest. The other thing it wants us to do is eat when the sun is shining and fast when the sun's not shining, when it's dark. And so we eat, again, when the sun is shining, then we have a small dinner, and then we stop eating, and that gives us a fast overnight of somewhere between 12 to 14 to 16 hours, and that's a form of intermittent fasting. Now, when you eat in sync with your circadian rhythm, a couple of things happen that are really cool. First is our body is better at processing food early, and actually calories count less when you eat them early as opposed to when you eat them later. So calorie in the morning in your body is not the same as a calorie in the evening. And then when you eat with your circadian rhythm, you change your fuel source. So your body wants you to eat more carbohydrates earlier in the day, and it wants to use stored energy in the evening, which is fat and something called glycogen, which is a storage form of carbohydrates. And so when you eat in sync with this, you're doing the best for your body. And when you eat out of sync with this, when you eat late at night and you eat a lot at night, you throw the whole system out of whack. And now when you do this intermittent fasting and you do it the when way, the way I just described, that's great. But a lot of people have been doing it kind of the wrong way. People have been eating the, their biggest meal at night. So they fast all day, they fast all night, and then they eat this huge meal late in the day, late in the evening. And that's not a good idea based on what I just told you. The other thing people do when they're intermittent fasting is they only focus on that fasting, on that time that they're eating, and they're not focusing on what they're eating. So that's why... Mike and I decided to write the What to Eat When cookbook so we could combine that science of when that we talked about in the first book with the science of what so that people could do both right and optimize their health. 
Well, and optimize their health in a very delicious manner, I will say. And, again, I, I want to go over some of my favorite recipes that I saw looking through this book. But I, I think the whole idea, and I learned a new word I'm going to show off that I remembered it, chrononutrition, <laughs> is important to your health, obviously. And I think, Dr. Roizen, didn't you, I saw you interviewed, and I think you said that we're basically all diabetic in the evening. Is that right? That's right. So what happens is we, in the evening, you release other hormones, and those hormones change your insulin sensitivity, the, the ability to get glucose into cells, and you become equivalent to diabetic. So a calorie isn't a calorie isn't a calorie, as Dr. Coupain just said. A calorie in the evening is more like 1.1 calories. A calorie in the morning is 0.9, and that's because we essentially function as if we're diabetic in the evening. So the another principle that I do want to bring up and, and not forget is that food is a relationship. So just like you wouldn't marry someone who's trying to kill you, you shouldn't eat food <laughs> that's trying to kill you. You want to eat food you love. And that's why we spend so much time on the recipes making them taste great, but also that loves you back. And that's the real principle in the book, in addition to intermittent fasting. When you eat food, so you eat more in the morning, less in the evening, you actually change which of your genes are on so that you're getting repair genes and anti-inflammatory genes on during that fasting period. And then when you re-eat, you recycle those cells into younger cells so that you're actually making your body's cells younger, decreasing every one of the biomarkers of aging, of cardiovascular disease, of the forerunners of cancer, of dementia, um, by doing that. So, in fact, you're in just four days, those things change, that which of your genes are on or not change. So... The, the key point is if you do this, you're eating not only so that you'll lose weight and so that you won't get diabetes or you'll be able to get to reverse it, but you'll actually be eating in a way that decreases cardiovascular disease and cancer and dementia as well. Wow, so we boomers really can stay forever young, right? <laughs> well, you know, we're, we, we, it, it turns out that's a large subject, but we're, we've been getting, life expectancy has been increasing two and a half years for every 10 years we've lived. So in 19, since the 1880s, in 1900, the average life expectancy was 47, 2000 it was 77. We're going to keep expanding that, we believe. And the good news is it won't be the end of life years. If people do things like eat the when way, um, they will, and, and obviously you can do that by getting the What to Eat When cookbook, but if you eat that way, um, you're going to be able to be prepared for this major shift in our rate of aging, so you're going to be able to live younger, longer, or as I say, you're going to be able to expand your prime years. 
Well, that sounds awfully good to me. And I also wanted to mention uh, that you also, you make it very clear, you've got, of course, you've got your yes foods, you've got your limited foods, and you've got your no foods. And most everybody could figure, okay, the yes foods are going to be vegetables and all. But for me, I was especially excited because one of the yes foods is resistant starch. So can you tell us a little bit about resistant starch? And I'm a carboholic, so why that why that works so well for our bodies? Yeah, so we don't have anything against carbohydrates. We think they're delicious and good for you. They're one of the foods people aren't eating enough of, except they need to be eating whole grains, whole wheat. And what the deal is with resistant starch is that starch is just a long chain of sugars. And when you eat starch, goes into your body and turns into sugar, which we all know is not a great thing. But when you let starches cool, so that could be potatoes or my favorite food, pasta, when you let that pasta cool, the starches in it, some of it becomes something called resistant starch. And resistant starch, instead of acting like a long chain of sugar, actually acts like fiber. And we know fiber is really good for us, right? Fiber feeds our good gut bacteria. Fiber makes us feel full, and fiber is a very healthful ingredient. And so that's why letting your carbs cool and become resistant starch is a really great way to enjoy them. And in fact, that's kind of Mike's favorite food, favorite breakfast is a cold, cool or cold pasta that he cooked the night before. Yeah, so if you want to eat uh, pasta, you want to eat it early, ideally, because your body is set up to process those carbohydrates early, and you want to eat more early and rest less later, right? So we say you should eat your breakfast for dinner. So pasta is a great traditionally dinner food, yeah. but it's even better for breakfast. And Mike's favorite breakfast is also a traditional dinner food. It's a salmon burger that's walnut-crusted. So you take some walnuts, you um, chop them up a little bit, you put them on a salmon burger, and you get the crunch and the healthy fats and the healthy protein from the walnuts as well as from the salmon. And it's just a, it's a great food. So it typifies not stereotyping food. So we believe that any food can be eaten at any meal. But, in fact, you want to eat 75 to 80% of your calories before 3 p.m. Um, and uh, a very light dinner, if you will, so that you and not eat within uh, three hours of bedtime. When you do that, what happens is that in four days you will suddenly start to sleep better, you won't be as hungry at night, and you'll have much more energy. So that's a, it, it, and if you screw up, you go to a late night party or something, um, don't worry about it because the sun rises the next day, so you don't have to pay for mistakes. Just every time the sun rises, remember it's another time to start over. Yeah, you don't give up. You start again. And let me tell you, Mike Royzen loves salmon burgers so much that in the What to Eat When Cookbook, we have three different recipes for making them. <laughs> Well, and speaking of recipes, I want to get to these now because, wow, do you have not only healthy recipes, not only, you know, relatively easy to make, and some are awfully easy to make, but they are unique and delicious. I was just amazed. And, Dr. Krupina, I want to make special mention of one of yours. It's called artichoke cream, so tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, this is one of my favorite recipes, and really it's super simple. And it was in, it's inspired by something that's made in Italy, and um, it actually inspired a lot of different recipes in the book. But the artichoke cream or artichoke crema 
is a way to take an artichoke and turn it into something a little bit different that has this amazing artichoke flavor but also is creamy like almost a cheese would be. And the way you make it is super simple. You actually take a can of artichokes. You drain it really well so you don't have too much extra liquid in there. You put it in your high-speed blender like a Vitamix. You can add a little bit of garlic if you want. Uh, I usually do. And then you turn on the, on the blender, on the Vitamix, and you just puree it until it's super smooth. And you add some olive oil if it gets stuck because that's what often will happen. So you have to put some olive oil in there, kind of as much as you want, as sort of as rich as you want. Sometimes I make it with tons of olive oil, and sometimes I make it with very little. And it becomes sort of an amazing, I would say, cream substitute almost. But it's filled, again, with sort of fiber and inulin, something that makes you really full and feeds your good gut bacteria. But my favorite thing about the artichoke cream is I made a dish with it that I really would like to catch on. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very trendy pasta dish uh, around the country. It originates in Rome called uh, cacio e pepe, and it's super simple. It's just pasta with a little bit of water that you cook the pasta in, and then cheese and pepper, right? And everywhere you go around the country, you can find this dish. But we wanted to make a version without, without cheese that still honored the tradition. So we make carciofi, which is the Italian word for artichoke, e pepe and pepper. And so you make it almost the exact same way, but you use this artichoke cream instead of the cheese. And artichokes are a very Roman-Italian thing, so it honors the tradition, and it's absolutely delicious. Wow, well, that one I'm going to try right away. Another one that caught my eye, and I'd love to chat with you forever. I know we don't have all that much time, but the sweet potato butternut squash hummus, I thought that looked great. The raisin reduction is a way that you use it as a base to sweeten a lot of your recipes. I thought that was wonderful. And I love mushroom MLT recipe. But, Dr. Royzen, what are, in addition to your famous salmon burgers, do you have any favorite recipes you want? Well, in fact, the mushroom MLT is my favorite. Now, I don't want to, it it takes a little longer to to go through that. So I'm going to give you a dessert that's my favorite. And uh, that I'm going to give to Mike because it is, um, my favorite is, in fact, your chocolate pot made with water. Ah, so the chocolate truffles are super easy. So usually when you make a chocolate truffle, you, uh, or, or mousse, you would make it with uh, cream or butter and all those things. But, and those are obviously delicious, but not so good for you. And they also mask the flavor of the chocolate. So I like to do it with water. So you just melt your chocolate and add water in the same basic uh, proportions you would add cream. And you mix it together and you make a ganache. Stir it. Stir it. Yeah, you stir it together with a... Stirring is a key component. You get exercise. Right. Right. (laughs) That's important. And then you let it cool, and then you can shape it into, you know... And it is is a Maggie. It's so simple and so delicious, it's unbelievable. The other thing, there are a series of desserts in here that are really healthy, that have a base of nuts and whole grains um, and some, some dried fruit that are absolutely magnificent. Again... We use chocolate because chocolate is good for the body, um, 70% chocolate. And the, you've got to try the recipes. But, in fact, I'm going I'm to say that the no-cook uh, chocolate bar is the what-to-eat-when bar is just sensational. 
Well, this has been such a delight. I could talk to you two forever. I know you have other people you need to speak with, but this has been great. Thank you so much for creating this wonderful cookbook, sharing your super ideas with us. It is my new kitchen Bible, the How Not to, the, I'm sorry, the What to Eat When cookbook. I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm fumbling my words here, but thank you both so much. Thank, thank you. you. And for all you listeners out there, please check out the work of Dr. Royson and Dr. Coupain and also get their original book, The What to Eat When, and now this latest one, The What to Eat When Cookbook. Uh, I'm going to, after all, if you want to stay feisty into your 90s and beyond, you have to keep your bodies fit and healthy and well-fueled. It's awfully important. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.